Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you've got a small business started selling locally at farmer's markets, then the Ready for Retail online course is made for you. From packaging to UPC codes to determining your proper wholesale price, Ready for Retail has all the information you need to be selling in stores. More details at kitchen2shelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. Hi, I'm Steve Clear. Today, my guest is Louise Lawless. She is the Chief Strategy Officer at the Stratus Group. She's part of a winning team building brands such as Co Kombucha and Perfect Hydration Water. Louisa has a rich history of brand building, having served as general manager for Red Bull North America and also contributing to the development and subsequent sale of Core to Keurig Dr. Pepper. She resides with her husband, Ever, newly born daughter, and two stinky French bulldogs in Long Beach, California. Welcome to the show, Louisa. Thank you for having me. So, uh, so first of all, congratulations, uh, because you. you and I tried to do this before and, um, things got in the way. They sure <laughs> did. Boy, I tell you what, you make a plan and you have to pivot. So I, my, my plan B was race to the hospital and have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's absolutely, absolutely super. And I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to talk beforehand and that we were able to reschedule and, and do this. So, uh, absolutely. You know, good, absolutely. good for you. And we do understand that she is present. So if anybody hears any baby noises or whatever, it, that's just part of real, you know, real media nowadays. It, it real, it truly is. And you know, she's got a very high pitched voice, so you'll recognize it immediately. <laughs> So Luis, let's talk a little bit about, first of all, for folks that, you know, we're, there's all kinds of titles and stuff thrown, but for a beverage brand, what does the chief strategy officer actually do? What's your responsibility? Well, I really think it depends on the type of company, the maturation of the company, um, and the need set. For me, I, you could interchange my title with the chief fix-it officer. Um, so <laughs> I was really brought in, this is my second chief strategy officer role. Um, and in, in all honesty, I had to Google the first time I was brought over to CORE. Um, you know, I think it was opportunistic to give me that title because they were looking for somebody to help them get to sale. And should we call me the chief sales officer? Should we call, you know, um, well, no, because that would narrow my scope. And they had want me to, you know, come in and really look at marketing and operations and all the various functions while helping them um, really polish and refine their processes uh, to right. get to that, you know, M&A process. And really, I mean, similarly at, at Stratus Group, where I am now with uh, the two premium brands that you mentioned, um, it's really about identifying what is the need set by function, um, looking at each of the functions and trying to, uh, at this stage, grow them uh, because we are a much, um, you know, earlier, an earlier uh, stage at, at, start, at Stratus and also really just, you know, um, building a team. And, um, you know, I like to call myself sales support because every single one of us, especially in a startup, you're looking at preserving capital and growing capital and growing revenues. So we are all sales support, um, but I was really brought in to build, grow, develop. Um, and we are so young right now. It's just all about growth. 
Right, right. Upward, upward, onward. Exactly, exactly. Um, I want to talk about both, but I'll start. I'd like to start with water. Um, okay, so water. Wow. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a competitive set. Um, so how did you guys, was the brand established before you came on board or how did that work? It was, it was, uh, the brand perfect hydration. Um, it had been around, uh, for a little over two years and we had really created it. Um, the team had created it before I got there, um, as a, a way to, uh, compete in the water space and compete in the enhanced space. So our company is really an incubator for beverages and um, not only beverages, uh, we're owned by a food company uh, called Golden West Food Group. And their uh, mission is really uh, providing solutions for retailers throughout the country. And uh, in that, you know, subsequent, some of these conversations with retailers, uh, they were looking for beverages and they were looking for water. So um, we created a brand versus a private label and thought, okay, this is, this is kind of fun. Maybe we can create some more brands. Uh, let's focus on brands uh, versus maybe some licenses on the food side. Right. And it was just sort of born, you know, it just kind of came from, from the earth, all of these fun, uh, better for you brands. And we're focused against health and wellness and any sort of um, iteration in our branding right now will be in that same, uh, in that same vein. Got it. Okay. Now, um, so the point of difference, obviously, perfect hydration, functional, functionality enhanced. Uh, what does that mean in terms of um, to people that are just seeking a better for you beverage? So is that more vitamins? Is it more, how do you, how do you define that? Sure. Um, as far as we'll separate it, the packaging from the liquid and then maybe the need set. So uh, as far as the liquid goes, um, alkaline and function are driving the category. Uh, premium water, especially when people are, you know, struggling right now, you know, being, right. being very forthright, you know, people, they don't have as much cash uh, and disposable income in their pockets and they're making choices. So if you're going to spend money that could go to pay your bills, um, you know, it, it better be something that, that adds value to your life and adds value to, to wellness. And it's something that, that you're putting in your body that you believe in. Um, high alkaline is really driving the category in the subsegment. So, you know, for us, it's, are we playing in the space in the segment that's growing? It's all about timing too, right? Right, right. now, it's right. all about function. And people are looking to add function into their, their daily life. Maybe they're working out less. They're staying at home more. Uh, you might be working out at home, but you're, you're potentially not getting as good a workout by going to the gym. So what are certain things that I can do to sort of offset, um, you know, my behaviors and or, um, you know, my my workouts from from the past. Right. So I, the other good part about this product um, is, you know, it's a nine stage distillation process. The water is soft. It's clean. It tastes good. Um, and people are buying in, in bulk more than they ever were before. Um, a a lot of that is, is really, you know, because people want to be in stores less. So foot traffic has lessened. Um, you know, we have innovated in such a great way. And that's the beauty of this brand is, um, we are such, um, you know, developers at heart and manufacturers and, you know, we innovated a 1.5 liter, a gallon, uh, multi-packs. Uh, we now just um, have announced that we are uh, line extending with aluminum. Um, so uh, we're, okay. we're line extending with PET, with RPET, excuse me, with uh, RPET in Q1. 
Um, so we are innovating um, quickly and feverishly and, and answering those need sets. Um, California just passed some legislation that um, RPET, 15% of it will be required uh, by 2022. We quickly said, okay, 15%, we'll match that. So we're going to be at 100% uh, in Q1 of next year. So really um, being agile and nimble and able to change and respond to our consumers, because our consumers are really all that matters. You know, if, if it's a retailer distributor, we're all answering to the call of consumers. So if we can confidently say that we are listening um, and we are identifying what day parts and need sets are out there, right. I think that we've done a good job. Um, to the other side of the coin, we have kombucha. So relatively new still category, certainly somewhat new in conventional grocery or um, how did, how did that evolve? And again, that was what there before you came on board, but what, how, how did you guys take Co and what did you just, where did you decide to place it? Yeah. So Co is, I mean, truly, I mean, I have just a love affair with this product. It is why I came over, you know, I built core to sell, you know, I had worked, you know, in the water space before, um, was excited to work with a high pH brand. Cause that's what I, I drink anyway. Um, but Co was really, that was the gem that brought me over. And um, Co is really interesting because there are a lot of people like me who want to drink kombucha. I wanted it. Um, I, I just didn't like it. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I, you know, it's kind of, kind of like coffee. I want to drink coffee. I just can't swallow it. It just doesn't taste good. And so for me with kombucha, I had tried every major brand and I would have to hold my nose. So it was like I was, you know, a two-year-old in swim class uh. diving into the pool, holding my nose while trying to ingest the stuff that I knew was good for me. But the polarizing flavor and that vinegar aftertaste just absolutely turned me off. So um, when I first tried this, this kombucha and I even heard the word kombucha, it was so polarizing to me. And I thought immediately vinegar. Vinegar is what I think of when I think of kombucha. My, my boss, our CEO, who I adore, uh, Dan Ginsburg, said, just, Louisa, stop it. Just try this stuff. You're, you're going to love it. Um, and I did. And we, you know, we did some tweaking with the packaging and with the formulation. We took the sugar down. Um, and we were able to do some really cool things as far as making the product better and um, it is the best tasting kombucha on the market. It is shelf stable. Um, it is fruit forward. Yep. Uh, makes a great mixer. All of my, you know, pandemic people out there who just want a, a nice yes, refreshing cocktail. I, I've, I've used it. Uh, yes, oh, yes. And, mm -hmm. and what did you think? And, what did and, you no, think? It's great. And, <laughs> and it goes, it goes really good with square one vodka. Just so Ooh, you know. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Organic, good to know. organic vodka. Organic yeah. vodka, organic mm -hmm. kombucha. I like that. Yep. Great. Um, but, that's great. But, but you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned, because my, my wife is like you, one of those people who kombucha tried it immediate. Oh my God, no. What, what do people see in this? And, you know, and, and maybe kombucha is a little like scotch in the fact that the first time I had, they say it's an acquired taste. Well, no, the first time I had scotch, I loved it. I've never stopped. First time I had kombucha and I forget where it was, but it was probably at Expo West like uh -huh. four years ago some couple of guys brewing something on the side. And I was like, wow, this is really good. Ah, and then, liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in part of it, now that you mention it is in fact sour. Cause I like sour stuff. So that little bit of bite at the end 
you know, is always something that if I, oh, if I ever had a diet soda, oh, I hate diet soda, you know, because you get that sweetness at the end yes. afterwards. Right. Yes. And this was exactly the opposite. So, so, so you guys went on basically for a taste profile and stuff. Did you, did you know who your consumer was going into it or were you going to try to convert? I mean, were, were you going for the kombucha populace is what I'm saying, I guess, or were you looking to bring people into the kombucha fold? We were looking at a kombucha for the masses. We right, were okay. looking to satisfy, you know, they say the household penetration on kombucha is just now 20%. So 20% awareness, right. whereas probiotics, it's 80%. People know what probiotics are, but it's hard to sort of, you know, put the two together. They know that, you know, from yogurts to various food sources, uh, to certain probiotic drinks that this, these probiotics, you know, there's something there, they're good for your gut, right? Um, but nobody really can, can really correlate that back. And we're talking about the other 80% of Americans all over the country that know that they need that gut health and, and that it's important to them, but they just can't get past the taste. <laughs> um, we're speaking to them. You know, that is right. our 80%. And, you know, we really hope to uh, engage an entirely new audience to kombucha. And we are able to do that in a number of ways. But really, um, the, the easiest, you know, barriers for us to overcome are price. You know, you can go to 7-Eleven right now and buy this, you know, for $2.79 to $2.99. Um, you can go to, um, you know, a, a, a large format retailer and get this, you know, for two for five. So right, price right. is always going to be a barrier when it comes to kombucha. And if you're a consumer who's never had a kombucha before, are you going to pay $3.99 for a new product? Maybe not. Maybe not. Right. right. Um, so price was a big, you know, thing that we were able to overcome very quickly. Um, and, you know, I just, I just mentioned C-Store. In convenience stores, you don't have a lot of storage. Um, our product is shelf stable, so it does not have to be refrigerated, which is tremendous operationally. And oh, it also yeah. helps oh, yeah. with our pricing, right? You know, right, we don't have course. cold chain storage. So, um, you know, I think pricing and I think operationally, you know, we're, we're dreamy. And, you know, the most important thing, which I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, is it just tastes good. It's really not overly complicated. It just tastes good. It's a, it's a good yeah. product. And, you know, you don't have to, you know... Um, suffer through it. I guess it's the right, best right, way to exactly. put it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for the benefit, right? The benefit yeah, doesn't exactly. have to come with, uh, with a, a bad, uh, a bad taste. Exactly. Um, so speaking, speaking of taste and taste challenges, let's go back to your career at Red Bull. Speaking of things that don't necessarily taste real good right off the bat. <laughs> See, I love it. I love Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Your, your work with that and, and kind of how Red Bull conquered America? Sure. Boy, that was, if, if I knew the formula to that, I would be replicating that. I'd be selling that sauce and that playbook. Um, the category, you know, being a category leader, um, you know, number one, it's, it's easy to be easy to be first. It's, it's really hard, um, you know, coming in and, and, and taking that market share and, and gobbling it up. But, you know, Red Bull built that category. I mean, it, it oh, yeah. was just unbelievable to be a part of that company. And, I worked for them as early as college. So I cut my teeth with taurine, so to speak. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I was working in um, Texas at the time. I went to TCU and 
we were driving trucks and seeding product and dropping product off at rodeos. And it's, yep. it's hilarious. You know, people had no idea what that was. What is this stuff? They were scared of it. There were all these misconceptions, um, you know, but ultimately I was really a part of a, a build, a brand build of Red Bull, which is really kind of cool. You know, people think, oh, this huge brand and you've got all this corporate experience. Well, I guess I did in the end, you know, in the end it, it became corporate and, and ah, grew so yeah. quickly. But in the beginning, I mean, we were, I mean, I was sampling cowboys, you know, at Billy Bob's and I was just growing a brand, um, you know, from the onset and building a category. So was really, really exciting. And I, I really grew up in that organization and learned so much about culture and people and, um, and really every single function and vertical that you can imagine. I just, you know, wanted to learn and be humble and take it all in. And it was an unbelievable experience. It really was. I've always thought, you know, Red Bull phenomenal, right? uh, A building of a brand and, and a category, as you stated, um, but one of the things I always admired was this idea of using uh, events and venues and, you know, and, and on premise to build the retail and just keep doing it and keep taking it to another level and another level and another level, both. I mean, globally, that's how Red Bull Bull got built. So, uh, and I was like, well, man, this is like, you know, where do you go from here? And then it's, you know, and it's the X games and then it's, you know, formula one and, you know, it, it's all of those things. And, uh, but, but for, for building a brand and for getting recognition out there and stuff, it was just unbelievable. Plus you had all these people sampling to get over yes. the, you know, don't be scared of this, try a little bit of it. It's okay. You know, yes, there's a functional benefit, but you know, let's, let's do this. And uh, I, I think that was just amazing. So uh, a fun story, I'm sure. Absolutely. It was a ride. I will tell yeah. you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, how, how did, uh, talk to us a little bit about Stratus Group, just real quick on how, how it got started and, you know, and, and, and what's maybe a little bit down the road. Sure. So Stratus Group sort of evolved um, from the Golden West Food Group, who, um, you know, it's a privately held food company and they have more skews than I can count on the food side, primarily on the on the meat side of the business. And they were really serving a, uh, a need for retailers and consumers who were looking for beverages. So it sort of spawned um, into a private label division at first. Mm-hmm. And from the private label division, you know, we were um, really, you know, incubating brands for the retailer. Um, and, and the group said, well, gosh, if we're making brands for them, maybe we should make brands for ourselves and maybe we should create something. Hey, we might be good at this. You know, we might have a knack for innovation and they, you know, go back to, to our, our giant plant and, you know, look at the R and D team and the food science team and say, okay, Hey, I think we could, we could be a beverage company. Why not? Right. So they started, you know, creating flavors and, um, really tried to ensure that, you know, what we were going after, especially with this audience, um, was mainstream and accessible. Um, so those were really the two things that they were focused against. Um, the branding is beautiful. Um, you know, it's a, a, a lovely right. brand, lovely, lovely package. Uh, but more so it was really going after, um, you know, this consumer. 
Um, the water was, you know, a couple of years uh, in the market already in club doing very, very well in club channel. And uh, when I came on board, it was, all right, how do we make this better? How do we refresh and refine the packaging? How are we innovating? What is really, um, you know, uh, working and not working by channel and, and right. in the category? So it was really exciting because the brands were so young and they were so new and, um, you know, they weren't, I guess, uh, fixed in a certain way. It was easy to come in and make changes um, and, and freshen up at both of the brands. So it was really exciting. And we are growing like rocket ships in both of these categories. Uh, and to be a part of it from the beginning, building the team, um, bringing over the folks that I love and respect so much from various parts of my life. Um, you know, I have a dream team that I would uh, go to any battle with. I mean, truly, they are best in class from a talent standpoint. They're smarter than me. They've got fire in their belly. And um, doing it together as a group has been so much fun. And I'm so excited for the, what the next couple of years holds. Um, you touched on it briefly, but I wanted to ask you, Louise, a little bit about what did you guys do when you realized that we were going to have a global health issue. Um, on, on the one hand, you've got water. Um, that's not necessarily bad for what the shopper, but did you sit down and go, okay, um, we got to talk about logistics. Uh, do we need to start bottling, you know, non-functional water? Do we, what, how did you guys approach dealing with the pandemic and, and when, I mean, kind of on the calendar? Sure. Well, I guess, how did anyone approach it? In the beginning, it was like, what, what, in, what is going on? What are we going to do? How, you know, how are we going to solve for this? How are we going to set our customers and consumers up for success? And immediately, you know, the panic shopping ensued and all of our club and large format channels hit the panic button and everybody was trying to gobble up as much inventory um, co-packers, it, there were line time um, issues, there were capacity issues. We are very fortunate um, that we have a lot of relationships with co-packers and manufacturers because we are a manufacturer. So, um, you know, we've got skin in the game and, and a lot of different partners um, with our, our co-pack partners. So that was very helpful. I would say we were not a big ship. We could move faster. And um, we had already, from an innovation standpoint, we had already decided as a team to innovate on the gallon package for um, perfect hydration, uh, multi-packs on the six-pack, um, 24, 24 packs um, on the 20-ounce uh, as well. Right. And okay. so we were ready. We were ready for, um, you know, what was going to happen. W was anybody really ready? Probably not. But we, I think <laughs> we managed it as well as we could and we were able to move more quickly and agilely in the environment. Right. Um, and I think that really paid off dividends because we earned the trust and respect of our partners um, and, and we helped them out in a pinch. And I think that, you know, we scratched their back and hopefully they'll scratch ours, you know? I, you know, I think a lot of, of both retail contingency plans, so we, let's call it the hurricane plan, right? Basically coastal all of a sudden went crazy. And, and so people would, you know, who know that I'm in the industry with the grocery store, they say, well, how could it happen that they could be out of, of toilet paper and, and top ramen? And I'm going, well, okay. So and it's, and, and the headline supply chain fails. Well, the supply chain didn't fail. Supply chain is not built for that particular incident to happen. And right. things like 
toilet paper are large cube items that take up a lot of space, don't make a lot of money. And they say, well, why, why isn't the plant producing more? Says, well, because the plant was running 24 seven, totally efficiently, right? Just as the top ramen plant was. It's, it's got three shifts. I'm sorry. There's, there's no more ramen coming out of there. You got to stop buying it and putting it into your garage. <laughs> That's how right, we're going through right. this. You know? So it all went through that. And I think, um, you know, I think certainly in the, in the sort of the second wave, as it were, I, people are being a little bit more judicious, but I think that's going to happen again. I have a feeling that it's, 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 it's out there and it's, it's same thing. going to go to Costco. Hey, you know, I'm going to grab two of those while I can. Cause last time the sign was up, said I can only take one, you know, and, and everybody's kind of, kind of prone that way. Sure. But from, uh, from the production standpoint, um, do you guys produce all in one place and ship out? Or are you producing in several places around the country? We have uh, several co-packer partners throughout the country. And of course, there's logistics reasons for that and cost savings. Um, And you always want to have another source of supply, right? Um, Ours is also, with all the innovation that we have, um, we definitely need aluminum partners that can run uh, cans on their line. We need, um, you know, we just uh, were launching the aluminum perfect hydration can in January. So, um, you know, we need a, a canning facility. We need... Um, different uh, sizes. And some of our, our co-packers in the West are unable to produce, um, you know, a gallon package. So we look to partners uh, in the East, in the Northeast. So, you know, for us, you know, you never want to put all your eggs in one basket. And we definitely want to keep um, our options open, our sources of supply um, open and really work with people, you know, much like um, retailers are counting on us, we have to count on them. You also have to be thoughtful about um, there are people and essential workers behind all of these plants. And they are also, you know, put under a tremendous amount of pressure running double and triple, uh, you know, shifts and trying to social distance and wear, you know, the the correct PPE. I have never been more sensitive to manufacturing uh, as I have at this company. Um, We have worked so hard to keep our employees safe. Um, And and there are thousands of employees uh, where I work. So, you know, we are doing our very, very best to keep everyone safe. And they've done a very, very good job. Um, You know, so I think it's a matter of the push pull, you know, we are trying to satisfy the needs of our partners, at the same time being thoughtful and cognizant that they are doing the very best they can. Um, And and we are all stretched to a capacity that we've never, never experienced before. So, um, you know, I think having those partnerships and years and years of history uh, with these partners, um, you know, has made a really big difference. So Louise, uh, let me ask you a, a, a little bit down the road. Let's talk hard kombucha. Yeah. What's good, what, right? <laughs> what's going Yeah. What's, what's going on? I mean, I, the, the seltzer thing again, I'm okay. Uh, but hard kombucha. Okay. That, that, that's, that says something. Um, are you guys looking at it? What do you, what do you think about the subcategory as it were? Never say never. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I learned that a long time ago. Um, we're always keeping an open mind. Now, the one thing that I would say you know, traditionally brands and companies, um, especially that are doing a startup, you build one line at a time, right? Unless you're a broker distributor, you know, you know, manufacturer, like, like we are on the food side, you grow one brand at a time, you preserve cash, you, you know, are thoughtful about your resources uh, and you go after a very specific designated network. We already have two, 
So we have different buyers, we have different types of distributors, we have people that might, we have enough waters, but we love this kombucha, or we have enough kombuchas, we like your water. So it makes for a very complex system, not only on the staffing side, um, but on the resourcing side and on the partnership side. So we have our hands very, very full right now with the two. Um, However, you know, when you pivot over into the spirits world, and I had a foray into that working uh, with Bacardi and their marketing arm, um, you know, you have to be very, very um, open to working with specific, uh, you know, spirits distributors. A lot of the spirit and beer distributors, um, they have very little room for um, non-alcs on their trucks. Um, Some have tremendous systems. I mean, we have great partners on the AB and Miller Network um, that have really developed, uh, built out non-alc teams and networks, but not every, you know, alcohol and or beer distributor does. So it's it's an exciting, I think, time to do hard kombucha. I drink it. I enjoy it myself. Um, But for us, I think focus is really the most important thing for us to be successful is focusing on these two brands and never say never. Who knows what the future may hold, but I think we've got our hands full for now. Okay. So then uh, my next question will be, what about CBD? Never say never. (laughs) (laughs) Never say never again. In fact, you know, sometimes it feels like Shark Tank in our office because we have people... (laughs) Pitching yeah. us every day on, you know, CBD manufacturers, hemp suppliers, um, folks coming in, um, celebrities coming in every other day, uh, wanting us to, to create a food line or a beverage line or a beer line or a, um, it is the, the funniest, most exciting office that you have, have ever experienced, you know, with, with sausage in the background, you know, but, you know, people are coming in all the time um, pitching and, and looking to kind right. of create their own thing. Um, so we've had tremendous opportunity and we have, um, seen some very good products in the category. And right now the issue is legislation. And I think if legislation was a little bit looser and it was approved and the FDA gave it a nod, which, you know, I, I think the product is phenomenal. I think it saved my dog's life. As a matter of fact, huge believer in, in CBD for humans and animals, Um, But for us right now, it would be very, very hard to get it into a traditional DSD network um, and and into any chain retailer. So it's size of prize and looking at the return on investment. If we spent a ton of our capital against CBD and we could only get into up and down the street like independent accounts, um, it would be challenging. It would be challenging to get that return. I don't think people are quite ready to take that risk yet until... Um, you know, uh, it's, it's approved federally. So well, unfortunately, and, and, it's hard. Yeah, and, and it was on, I mean, that was sort of on an upswing, um, you know, and, and then, you know, pre pandemic, and then all of a sudden the FDA has uh, other fish to fry. Sure. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so it, it's going to be tough. It's anytime you have a patchwork of anything, you know, it's the, it, 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 it's very hard to manage. And it's very hard to create efficiencies. Um, although there are some people that, um, that there are some people involved who are in fact doing the patchwork because it's the only way they can grow their business and that they're just going to have to accept that. But, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what that does with beverages, uh, going forward when we can finally, uh, finally come to some, um, conclusion on it, you know, it's just, absolutely. It, absolutely. I, mean, I think it's a great product and I think it solves for so many different need sets and 
it's medicine, but you know, it's got to top down. There's got to be some overarching approvals in place or it's just too challenging uh, and you burn a lot of cash. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I had someone who was, um, was going to be a guest on the show and he, and he said, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you, you know, some stuff to sample and whatever. I said, Hey, let me check and make sure you can. Yeah. And going, Hey, wait a minute. What's that stuff you've got on there? There's 25 milligrams in there. That's <laughs> you're going to jail. What? Doesn't it? Not, Absolutely. Not a, good, not a good, not a good way to work for sure. Um, a, a lot of fun. So, um, yeah. And I know you can't talk about proprietary stuff, obviously, but are you guys looking in general at kind of what's going to evolve with water and kombucha and other types of beverages? Is coconut water going to die on us? What, uh, what are you looking at now in the crystal ball? Yeah. You know, I wish, I wish I knew that's the, the billion dollar question. Um, you know, I think from a category standpoint, what is, you know, attractive to me, especially with these two brands is there is so much upside and potential for better for you. Um, better for you, right. um, I think is just still, even though you know people are spending less, they are thoughtful about the way they spend. And you know, I think probiotics, especially during cold and flu season, yep. people are looking to you know satisfy a need set, and that need set is I want to be healthy. I want my immune system um, to yes. be as yeah. you know uncompromised as possible. And, um, you know, I want to stay hydrated. And so I think, um, you know, it's, it's challenging to say, you know, this product will do X, you know, because of consumer claims and where we are in the world right now with consumer claims. But, you know, for, for the most part, we know that probiotics are good for your immunity and they build your gut and they give you gut support. And you can never, um, you know, have too much hydration in your world. No. Um, I, I know very few people that drink too much water. So yeah. um, I think both of these products are good, just given what's going on in the world and, and you know, outside of, of the pandemic, because the world will start turning again, I hope. And yeah. at that point, you know, people are still going to look for better for you products. So I don't think that's going away. Um, so I think it's, it's right time. It's right, op right opportunity and right category. Um, you know, but could there be another, you know, Red Bull category, another energy category or something that, that comes out? Um, yeah, maybe. Um, I think kombucha is already um, innovating. It's already, you know, mm -hmm. you know, changing and going into, like you said, hard kombuchas and um, shelf stable kombuchas like we have. Um, probiotic and prebiotics are of, you know, top of mind for everybody right now. And people are constantly wanting to, to do better um, and be better and feel better. So I think right now this is, it's, I'm in the right place at the right time, which is really cool. For sure. Um, for, for entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and stuff out there, but if you're a person who's in some of our audience are maybe trying to build their own kombucha or their own brand or cookies or whatever, whatever they're working on, um, some advice or counsel about, you know, looking at categories, looking at products and making them unique and making them successful? Sure. Well, for me, it's always been very, very important to find mentors and to hold those relationships very near and dear. And, you know, I am working now for, let's call him my, my first CEO. You know, I, I work for Dan Ginsburg, who was the CEO of Red Bull, the first CEO of Red Bull, um, who really built that brand. And, you know, I stayed close. And, you know, he was, I was a, a minion at that point at Red Bull, just, you know, 
building and building and, and doing whatever I could to grow um, as, a, as an individual, as a contributor. Um, but I kept my relationship with him close and I continued to ask for feedback and advice and how do I learn and how do I grow? And uh, from a career trajectory standpoint, it was really important for me um, to, you know, look at, at relationships as a currency and, and something that I valued very much. So for any entrepreneur, it is put in the additional energy to communicate in a way that it looks like you're not always looking for something. And that can be just reaching out to people when you don't have a question and just asking about their families. And this is really basic interpersonal communication stuff. Um, but it really has paid off for me. Um, being kind and thoughtful to your employees, um, starting with how is your wife and kids? How are you feeling during all of this chaos? You know, really being right, right. thoughtful because it goes a long way. And then you dig into the, the meat and potatoes of the business and, and you know, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but, you know, for, for me, I think in the long run, um, it's really fostering relationships, listening, active listening, uh, not going in bullheaded and telling people why they should buy your stuff because it's so awesome and they can't live without it. But what do you need? You know, retailer X, uh, distributor Z, what what do you value? What helps drive your business? Um, right. yep. Listening to their their value systems and then being able to respond. And I think if you're not listening actively, you're trying to shove your agenda down their throats without even knowing that maybe they don't really care about, you know, digital marketing. Maybe they yeah. care about, you know, their employees, you know, uh, incentive systems or so I think, you know, you do yourself a disservice by talking too much. Right. Great, great advice. Great advice. Um, Louisa, the other thing that, that we do here is we try to put our guests on the spot since they've been so nice to show up and, and, and talk to us and share some other wisdom and experience. Um, and one of the things we do is we try to get them to focus on the biggest kind of challenge they've had in their career or in building, building brands and, and more important, how they overcame it. Can you, uh, grab something out of the past and share it with us? Sure. Well, I can grab something from about seven weeks ago <laughs> because <laughs> yes, I bet you can. I, I am 40 years old and decided I'm going to have a baby. And I, you know, I think I waited till my eggs were about hard boiled to make that decision. So that, the, you know, I, I had never thought about balancing a family and career. Uh. Career was always so important to me and proving myself and being a woman in a very male dominated industry yes. and how, you know, how can I, you know, talk like a man and, you know, trying to kind of, you know, fit in and do all these things. And, and it, you know, it paid off, you know, my, my hard work paid off and, and I'm very thankful for that. But, you know, I had this great husband who I adored and, and, you know, we were talking about having a family and I just assumed like everything else in my professional career that if I just kept pushing and working hard and whatever, that this would be easy. And boy, was I surprised <laughs> and overwhelmed and challenged. And I have this beautiful life that is now dependent on me and my priorities have changed so much. And I really think now being a mom is going to make me even a better contributor because I am learning even, even more so to balance and prioritize and work smart. And 
Um, I know women that do it every day. I just never had the firsthand experience to really uh, appreciate it. And so now, um, you know, it's, it's really more about uh, prioritization and knowing how important my new role is, um, you know, right now. That's so awesome. Well, that's Thank great, you. Lisa. And, and I wish you best of luck and, and, I, and get some sleep. Thank you. And all Not those <laughs> other things that you need to do. Um, we'll work it out and uh, we'll get you back on the show again down the line to talk to us a little bit about how being with a toddler is affecting your career. Ooh, and business and stuff. We could have a lot, of, a lot of fun with it. But no, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. And Thank for you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. Really thanks appreciate again, Steve. it. And thanks to everybody out in the audience for being with us today on the Next Level Brands podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational resource for CPG entrepreneurs and emerging brands. Kitchen to Shelf is also the home of To Do Tuesday, a weekly short reach out hosted by K2S co-founder Deborah Armstrong. Every Tuesday, she outlines a simple to-do that will help you accomplish larger goals in your business. So if you need some weekly accountability, try To-Do Tuesdays from Kitchen to Shelf. Available at Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands Podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at Next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.